Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Megan's wanting to bond with her baby and there's um, discussion that, you know, there isn't a lot of paid help, even though, of course, that would be available. She is one of those women that you could imagine wants to do it on her own. It would be lovely to see Princess Beatrice really happy. She could have a perfectly great life not being married, but after being, you know, having quite a lot of bad luck and love, I think it would be lovely if it all came to pass for her. Prince Philip is quoted as saying to Harry that actresses are not for marrying, they're for stepping out with. And that's the sort of a key phrase I keep hearing. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we will be talking all about the Cambridge and Sussex's shock split, how Meghan and Harry are coping with parenthood in the early days, and which royal ladies could be expecting a bub. Joining us today all the way from Europe to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Ange. How are you Hi, going? Zoe. I'm good. I'm currently in Norway, but I've been in the UK and actually I've been catching up with a, a few royal people in the know and heard quite a lot of info, actually. It's very exciting. Oh, that is exciting. And I mean, of course, royal news never stops, does it? No, indeed. And um, obviously, since I've been here, they've had Royal Ascot and another event with the Grenadier Guard, so it's all very exciting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? But um, it seems that Megan is a follower of a new concept called the fourth trimester. Now, I've never heard of this. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, now this is a really big thing, and I hadn't realised that she was such a devotee of this. Through my parenting page for New Idea, I actually have written about the fourth trimester, but I didn't know that Megan had taken it up. Now, apparently she has. What it is, it's recognising that pregnancy is three trimesters, so you have your first, second and third. The fourth trimester is seen as um, a time for the mother to really recover, bond with the baby, um, be very gentle with herself and not go sort of at life at, um, you know, a, a million miles an hour. It's actually um, an Australian doctor has spoken and written a book called The Postnatal Depletion Cure that's gaining a lot of momentum. And that is that book is about the fact that after you've given birth, your body is wholly depleted and that a lot of the physical symptoms lead to uh, postnatal depression and these sorts of conditions. Now, Serena Williams, as we know, great friend of Megan, um, has spoken about the fourth trimester and talked about how important it is and that how um, she said um, she was talking about how after her daughter Olympia was born, she she kept getting so upset, she was you know not coping. And she said, well, I think the quote here is, I think people need to talk about it more because it's almost like the fourth trimester. It's part of the pregnancy. Now, she undoubtedly would have told Megan about this. How we know that Megan is possibly following, well, more probably, following this philosophy is that we've barely seen her. So she's been very coddled at home with her baby. Obviously, she was out for trooping the colour. But apart from that, we really haven't seen her. She's about, you know, it's about nurturing, nourishing yourself, making sure that your body's getting enough sleep, enough rest. And, you know, it's, it's sort of anathema to um, the generation of mums for whom you were back in the office or back on your computer a couple of days after giving birth. It's now seen that that kind of behaviour, that sort of 
uh, insistence on 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 being the all capable superwoman isn't actually the best uh, outcome for either mother or baby. It's kind of like it, it sounds like it's another three months of just lazing around, but it's not that at all. In the book, the, the postnatal depletion cure is a very very good book, and it's um uh, well researched. And you know, if we can help mums by recognizing that you know it is a full year uh, producing a baby, I think that's a really smart idea rather than that notion of sort of stepping out, being Instagram ready from the moment that um, you've given birth. Oh, I totally agree. But we've also heard that there are some concerns that Prince Harry is unhappy. Is there any truth to the rumours that the Sussexes are struggling? Look, I think, I mean, certainly we saw the Trooping the Colour balcony scene. You know, if you think back to their tour of Australia and New Zealand, they didn't have their hands off each other. You know, they were holding hands the entire time. Certainly, you know, riding in the carriage and... um uh, on the balcony scene at the Trooping the Colour, you didn't have a sense of that affection between Meghan and Harry. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're falling out. It just means that they're probably very, very tired parents with a new baby. Um, they are apparently doing it very much on their own. Um, Meghan's wanting to bond with her baby and there's um, discussion that, you know, there isn't a lot of paid help, even though, of course, that would be available. Um, she is one of those women that you could imagine wants to do it on her own. Look, while I was here in the UK, I was speaking to a couple of royal reporters, and I think it's getting to them a bit. There's What's starting to emerge is a lot of the commentary um, from members of the royal family before Harry and Meghan married. Um, and Prince Philip is quoted as, um, you know, multiple people told me this, is saying uh, to Harry that actresses are not for marrying, they're for stepping out with. And that's the sort of a key phrase I keep hearing. We also know that William very much advised his brother to think very carefully about who he was marrying. And this is sort of seen as the kernel at the heart of why they are not, um, you know, why there's this distance now between the two brothers, as evidenced, you know, on the balcony. Um, they were at different ends of it. We haven't seen them together in that sort of jocular way now for a long time. The question always being asked when when these things occur, you know, is Harry unhappy? Is he has he made reconnection with Chelsea Davey, his uh, former girlfriend? You know, did the did the Prince Philip say this? Did Prince William um, warn him off Meghan? The fact is, we don't really know. All we do know is that historically. In the years of Princess Diana and Prince Charles, that a lot of the things that were happening at that time actually were happening. It was truthful. So we were hearing rumours of, you know, Jane Stewart and um, Camilla and those sorts of affairs that were going on. At the time, we weren't certain about it. But then in years to come, obviously, that came to pass. So I think that we have to imagine that there is at least some grain of truth in some of the uh, rumours that we're hearing around the royals, particularly that relationship between Prince William and his brother. Oh, it's so sad to think about, though, because they always seemed so close when they were children. I agree with you, Zoe. You're right. It's it's sort of like they've been each other's spines and backbones since the death of their mother, haven't they? They've really um, supported each other. Their closeness, you know, over the their their early twenties was evident. You know, they had the same interests. They both love going to watch a game of rugby, and I think this diversion, not only in their different roles, but in their very different cho choice of wife. Um, you know, look, it's it's not unreasonable to expect William to, you know, bearing in mind the role that he, if you think about it, comparatively, the Queen, when Prince Margaret wanted to marry her equerry, 
she forbid that marriage. And so there was a lot of power, uh, you know, belonging to that person. And, and William, of course, will have that power. He will be king. And, um, you know, historically, he could have made those decisions. And I, and I don't think it's out of place for him to talk to his brother uh, about his choices. But, you know, it can have huge ramifications. We know Harry can be hot-headed. Yes. And talking of Prince William, it was his birthday last week, but the Sussex's Instagram account left sort of a very unenthusiastic comment, didn't they? It was, wasn't it, Zoe? I mean, we're so used to seeing them, you know, the Sussexes and with the, with other members of the royal family. I mean, in fact, their what their message to Prince Philip was so loving. I think they referred to him as um, not just Prince Philip, but as Granddad. Um, so there was a real warmth in their message, but their message uh, on Prince William's birthday was a very sort of um, unemotional happy birthday to the Duke of Cambridge. It wasn't even brother or, you know, um, you know, it wasn't anything. It was it was no warmth in it. I thought that was very telling. Um, look, you can't gain a lot from one sentence, but but I think the fact that there wasn't any kind of mention of their brotherly relationship speaks volumes about what's actually going on with that relationship at the moment. Yes, well, I mean, even in the news, there's been lots of talk with the Royal Foundation officially splitting up. What's so significant about this? Yeah, I think this is significant. I mean, they did warn us that this might happen and the powers that be and the um, damage limitation specialists are very much talking about how it is a split because they have different roles that, um, that of course, Prince William is, is moving more towards uh, the duties involved uh, around you know, the eventual accession to the throne and that Harry's, of course, is, they even spoke about in the press release that his is a very much a hands-on within communities like the Invictus Games, that sort of thing. I can see that they have very different um, interests and motivations and um, charities and philanthropic passions going forward, but I don't know why that actually meant that they had to disband, or not disband, but split from the umbrella organisation that runs that. Surely it would be perfectly possible within the Royal Foundation to have set up two arms. The fact that they've actually just left the Royal Foundation with the Cambridges and that the Sussexes have set up their own entirely different operation really does suggest that there has been a falling out. I mean, it, they would have been advised to keep the peace, to have, to, to continue this um, foundation. And the fact that there's been such a lot of um, commentary around it in terms of this is the reason we've done it. It's about process. It's not about a break. It's, you know, it's about a natural process. It's almost like, you know, they do, they doth protest too much. This fact, there's so much comment about, yes, no, it's exactly like this. The, the reason that we're doing it is because they have different uh, motivations and and areas of interest now. Yeah, they do, but it doesn't mean that they can't work that under the same umbrella. So I think that it is it is very significant and I think it's a real parting of the ways. Look, obviously, William will have you know much more of a role within the constitutional demands of the royal family, whereas Harry and Meghan can be more outward looking. But um, I think that cohesion together, as we saw when they did the Heads Together Forum, it really does give them a lot of power collectively and to diminish that power entirely by not having an uh, an agency like this, a, a group like this, I think is um, a real shame, both for them personally, but also for the public who, you know, look to them for 
guidance, advice, particularly on some areas like mental health. They will still apparently be working together on those sorts of things. But I think this announcement suggests that they are very much uh, peddling different courses. Yes, it definitely does. And it'll be very interesting to see where they both take the new branches of their charities. Yeah. And of course, sort of moving on to something quite fun and exciting, we know that Archie's christening must be coming up soon. Um, What sort of rules do the royals have to follow in regards to this? Oh, there's so many rules. Look, we don't know the date yet, but because we know that um, uh, Louis and Charlotte and George all had their christenings around this sort of similar time after after they're born, we know that it's they must be planning for it. So it is it is coming up. But I think um, what's really interesting is all the different things that that happen around the um, the christening. Certainly the christening gown is now a replica of a silken lace gown that was worn by all royal babies since 1841. It was remade actually for um, Edward and Sophie's uh, son James in 2008 and it's been worn by all the babies since, so all George, Charlotte and Louis have all worn it. But then there's this amazing lily font which they have to lug to the church themselves. It's been used for every royal christening since 1841. It's this beautiful silver gilt um, bowl with flowers and ivies and cherubs around it. And um, the water for this font is reportedly brought from all sorts of paper. You know, it's not just turned on from some tap in Buckingham Palace. They use water from the River Jordan. It's all very um, particular for the christenings. So this is what will happen for Archie Harrison Mount Batten Windsor when he is eventually christened. But I think it'll be interesting to see who actually goes to that christening. And that's the thing I'm most interested in. Will William and Kate be there? Will the Queen be there? I imagine Doria Raglan will be there. Obviously, Charles and Camilla will be there. But it'll be interesting because, of course, the christening is a fairly intimate event. It's not a big royal staged event. So that relationship between the Cambridges and the Sussexes will be on show. It will be interesting to see at an event like that you know, how they do bond together. Oh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. I always love a royal christening or wedding for that matter. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, I think we've nearly run out of weddings, um, Zoe. I'm trying to think, oh, no, no, we've got one, which we're going to talk about. um, (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) One left, I think. But before we get to that, of course, speaking of babies, we know that there were lots of rumours flying around after Royal Ascot that some of the royal ladies might be pregnant. I know, and, and it's not just one. So it's it's not that there's one pregnancy rumour. So first up was Zara Tyndall. There's massive rumours that she might be pregnant, which is pretty quick because her second daughter um, is, isn't is that old. You know, she said she only had her um, a relatively short time ago. Um, so Zara is, um, there's questions about whether or not she's pregnant, and this is a lot of commentary on social media. Then uh, Princess Eugenie, who, who we know um, married last October to Jack Brooksbank, she was wearing a, a gorgeous uh, bluey greeny dress, and she was uh, she was rumoured to be pregnant. And then, last but not least, Kate is uh, being considered for a fourth bit baby. Now, I think. Um, I think Kate will have four babies, actually. I think it's a neat number. It's what the Queen had. Um, I think it's quite likely. Of those three, I'd put my bets on Princess Eugenie, to be honest. I don't think Zara and I think Kate sometime this year. But that's, that's you know, I could be horribly wrong, but that's my bet. I think that's a pretty good bet too. Um, and, of course, finally, we have to get to that exciting story about the one more wedding we could be expecting. So there is a royal who's had her fair share of bad luck in love, 
but it appears she's finally found her soulmate. What can you tell us? Yeah, so actually I, when I was in London last week, I was um, talking to a few royal um, experts and they were saying that this is definitely the one for Princess Beatrice. Now we know she's had really, she's been very, very unlucky. She had a boyfriend who was with her for a very long time, um, to over 10 years, and then he they ended it and he went on to marry someone else. Anyway, the guy that she's seeing, Eduardo Mapali Mozzi, his family's good friends with uh the Duke of York and uh, Sarah Ferguson, and so really well known to the family. Unfortunately, he's a multi-millionaire property tycoon. Oh dear, how sad! Um, so he's got plenty of money. Um, he's thirty-four. She's said to be completely head over heels. There's a lot of talk going on behind the scenes that this this is the one. They've stepped out at the um, National Portrait Gallery. Um, they look very close. Um, they've been to New York. They've been to Bahrain. Uh, he even joined her at an, an event at St James's Palace to support um, Prince Andrew's pitch to the palace, pitch at palace campaign, which is one of his bigger charities. So he's very much ensconced in royal life at the moment, and um, so everybody's just waiting to hear if this, in fact, there will be announcements. So hopefully, and then St George's Chapel can be heated up and bedecked with flowers for yet another royal wedding presuming that's where they choose to have it and they choose to marry. We're speculating here. <laughs> yes, well, as I said, I love a royal wedding, so I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> Me too, Zoe. It'd be nice to round out this long run of um, this next generation of, of, of royals and see what happens with them. And then I think after that it's really um, – Edward and Sophie's children, who are a bit young yet, so um, we'll let these let them run their course. But yes, it would be lovely to see Princess Beatrice um, really happy. I mean, her sister's married now, obviously. Um, she could have a perfectly great life not being married, but after being, you know, having quite a lot of bad luck and love, I think it would be lovely if it all came to pass for her. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Europe today, Ange. Thanks, Zoe, and I will be back in the studio next week with all the latest on the Royals chatting next week with you. Perfect. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, don't forget to check out our latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. 